This episode is in partnership with Roomvo. Roomvo is the number one room visualization tool used by manufacturers, retailers across the globe. To find out more information, visit get.roomvo.com. Right, Ed, welcome to the podcast. For the uninitiated, who is Ed Grant? I am the managing director of a company called Kite Flooring, and we are a, a kind of flooring, supply and fit flooring business that's based uh, based out Shoreditch, East London, and yep. we supply and fit floors you know, throughout London and a little bit into the home counties now, I guess. How long have you been going? So we're, we're a bit of a new kid on the block, to be honest. Um, so I've been doing now for about two and a half years coming up. So uh, I guess we're, we're getting to get a little bit of a scale, but we're very much, you know, I think most people you have on the podcast, they always talk about they've been doing it for generations. And uh, yeah, we're very much, or certainly I am. Uh, that's not, I'm, you know, I, as the founder of the business, have come into to flooring as a as a newbie but we have people in the team who have been doing it for generations so yeah. um yeah that's that's who we are i guess so what's what's your background ed where where what, what made you wake up one morning and think oh i'll open a flooring business yeah this is uh i mean I, and i think this is actually one of our um uh i guess secret sources is that uh i don't come from a flooring background so i can remember what it was like to know nothing about flooring um and i guess i mean i kind of going way back when i um i went to uni i worked in the city for a bit so in finance and then i always had a bit of an entrepreneurial itch i guess um so i always wanted to uh i kind of really didn't get into working uh in the square mile and then um i i had a an entrepreneurial business that I set up in the karaoke space of right. all places. Okay. So uh, we built karaoke rooms and uh, put them to clubs and bars where people could do um, uh, where people could do private singing and things like that. And then I did that for a bit, but unfortunately, as a that entrepreneurial venture didn't quite work out. So I then needed to uh, get a proper job, okay. and I actually ended up working in a, a property services business. I guess it was a kind of high growth business, uh, you know, private equity backed um, services business that, uh, you know, when I joined, it was probably 70, 80 people and it grew up to you know, 400 people. And I was a director in one of those businesses. And uh, it was a really interesting journey, both from, I guess, hiring, supply chain, strategy. It was a logistics heavy business as well. It was a business that the um, it's uh, delivered furniture for property investors. So right. if you can imagine if you're if you're an investor and there's obviously loads of investors in the UK kind of buying up property, uh, they often they'll rent their properties furnished, but uh, they really don't want to have to go to IKEA to do it because obviously no. IKEA you have to go collect it. And so this business uh, deliver assembled and installed uh, furniture for. Okay. property investors that had furnished properties and uh i mean that you know at, at one point when i was there kind of four or five years ago i mean we had 80 90 trucks going around london on wow. a uh on a daily basis delivering all the big 
kind of shiny towers that you see uh, in East London, I guess. Yeah, all of those, it's a furnished market run there. So we were delivering furniture packages into those into those spaces. And there was a business in Manchester as well. So it was a nationwide proposition. And um, yeah, I guess I was, I was a director in that business. And, um, uh, you know, we had a sales team. So we had kind of... 25 salespeople in that business, um, different products, different services. There was a, you know, it was a next day furniture business. There was a, a kind of kitting out whole houses business. There was an interior design business. There was a furniture rental business um, where you could hire furniture to kind of help houses sell for more money. Um, there was a, uh, there was a kind of nonprofit section as well, which was selling furniture to on tenders to councils, care homes, that type of thing. And anyway, long long story short, I mean that that business uh, you know grew up to, as you said, it grew up to kind of four five hundred people. So uh, across five six locations across the UK, um, yeah. it grew a bit too fast, a bit too quickly. Uh, didn't have the processes and the systems in place to go on that, that growth journey, I guess. And then it kind of kind of regressed a little bit. Um, uh, but within that business, there was a, um, there was a flooring division. Right. Okay. And, uh, uh, was kind of doing slightly different stuff that we do now, but nevertheless, uh, there was a guy within that business, the guy within that business that who knew a little bit about flooring. And, uh, I guess we got, we got chatting and he said, well, why don't, why don't you look at the flooring space? And I obviously had absolutely no idea whatsoever about anything about flooring other than it seemed like quite a good space to go into because everyone needs it. And that kind of, I guess, started the the kind of gem of an idea that did, that became Kite. Okay. Um, I guess we, I mean, that, that kind of partnership with that, that kind of, the kind of guy that ran that flooring division didn't really work out, but because I guess, I guess what we ended up doing was we ended up, I managed to get a showroom space in Shoreditch. Right. And we ended up doing a lot more residential work and a lot more, um, I guess, I wouldn't more pre- premium wood flooring work out of out of our Shoreditch showroom. And that meant that, um, you know, less of the kind of tender-based business, kind of larger site work, which the, the guy that I started the business with was more familiar with. So it pretty came clear that you know we weren't we weren't really going to be partners in this, and then that's when I kind of set out on my own, and that's I guess probably about two and a half years ago now. Brilliant. And why why the name Kite? Where did that come from? Do you know what? Uh, it's I agonised for ages about kite flooring, and um, I actually in a, in a former life you can overthink these names sometimes, and. I was just going through name after name after name. And it's really hard. I think everyone on this podcast will be able to rate to this. It's quite hard to name a flooring business, which isn't sound a bit generic. Yeah. And like, you know, I didn't want to call it like direct this or, you know, whatever, you know, all the, all the kind of common names that natural this or, you know. Solutions and. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and it just, it just sounds but you wanted something that you could build a brand off or yeah. something that you could hang off. And then also, I think what was also really important for me is that people could remember it. So when you had a conversation with someone, if you said, I work for Kite Flooring, bang, straight away, they remembered it. 
and then they could go on Google and find you. And I mean, I must have had like 100, 100 connotations and that just sometimes you just say things and they just stick and yeah. it just it just stick or stuck. Sorry. Stuck. And uh, yeah, then that was that was how how it came about, I guess. And um, then the thing about names, isn't it? You use them for a little while and you forget it was ever an issue. And it's like the business grows into it, doesn't it? But I definitely wanted to do something that we could build a brand out of as opposed to something which was more kind of standard flooring name, I guess. Brilliant. And what type of flooring do you offer your customers? Uh, so we, we just do wood flooring. Okay. Um, and it's the majority of the stuff that we do is, is engineered wood so uh we'll do we do kind of plank flooring um i guess kind of far eastern platform finished uh most of our stuff is finished in belgium and then we do an entry level range with that on and then we also do kind of ranges which are more bespoke which are you know typically french oak but much more customizable so uh with different stains different smoking different finishing um like we do some like badass stuff like really really cool stuff as well on a more premium level and then we also do obviously herring bones and chevrons and uh you know parquet and all you know we, we do supply only stuff but we also you know and we're really 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 passionate about fitting as well so we also kind of do that as well well, why did you choose from obviously not coming from a flooring background? I'd say, why did you choose wood? Do you think when you could have gone in any direction? Um, I think it's the thing that I could get most passionate about. I'll be honest, from a like a self, I think it really helps when you're selling stuff if you're passionate about it. Absolutely. Um, I'm very again, I mean, because obviously I came from the furniture world as well, and I think in the furniture world, you, again, you see there's just crazy differences in taste between different areas of the, the country. And I think it's the same, actually, you know, in flooring. We have like, our market is very different from markets that are, are kind of, I guess, outside London, further north, further west. But from a personal perspective, I could just get really, really excited about, about wood floors. I think also the reason I chose kind of ooh, we really started but like, I'm also I'm a real believer in specialization as well yeah I know there's different ways of running flooring businesses but like we, we really want to be the best and I think as a as a as a sector the market's so big that actually you know to to really kind of grow actually you have to try and pick something and then do it really really well and Absolutely. wood flooring was definitely the thing that I was the most passionate about and I think also from a from a recruitment perspective as well it's you know our, our our secret sauce again is it's like to have really really passionate people in the business doing what they do like harder to do that with i don't know gray carpets right like it's you know whereas whereas wood and i think also with us um again there's there's different models in the in the flooring world our model is definitely a, a consultant led model Okay. So that means that, you know, we go to people's houses to give them, you know, advice both on finish, on, you know, type of flooring, but also on how the how the floor is going to be fitted. That is is obviously a service that has to be paid for. You know, there's going to be more margin to pay for that service if you're going for a slightly more premium product 
than if you're selling eight mil laminate. Yeah, so you know, that model just doesn't doesn't work. So for and and definitely me personally as well. I have my kind of background and experiences is, is is building out sales teams. So we go. I guess I had to find a product where it could afford to have a sales team. Okay. And how have you done that? How have you gone from just kind of you to a team around you? Um, what's your sort of recruitment advice as such um, coming from a different background? How, how have you managed to find the right people? It's been hard, I think. And I, uh, again, I, I'm sure it's a, it's a recurring theme when I listen you know, to the podcast as well about how do you find, find good people. Obviously having... Like, we we like I guess we really are setting ourselves out as a to kind of mission to get people to this perfect floor. And I can talk at length to people or and you know and some of the challenges that there are within the sector and talk about how the UK flooring is this a billion pound market and you know a lot of floors out there aren't being fitted particularly well, a lot of product isn't particularly uh, you know great, and then yet there's this opportunity to give people great advice and you know, and to work with like our clients are lovely as well. So work with lovely clients and actually have a real impact and transform their home. And that's an amazing privilege to to be able to do that. And certainly that message to the people that come and work for us, and we have to work quite hard to find these people. So it's not like, like no. I'm getting kind of CVs all, all the time. But as soon as I think if people have worked a little bit in the flooring industry or have a little insight into the sector and then they maybe i guess see what we're trying to do i think it does it does resonate with people and so certainly that kind of the i mean we're not a huge team tom so um, how many guys you got there's nine of us in the business now people were now and i guess obviously doing things like this podcast as well like the more the more we start talking about it, the more we, you know, I guess show how passionate we are about what we're doing, then the more, um, you know, it's kind of a self-fulfilling cycle, isn't it? And I think, I guess that's how we found the best people is by having a, having a message, putting it out there. And I guess almost people coming to us, but it was a really, really hard for the first 12 months. It took me, like, it took me six, Six months. But then the thing is, what I've learned in the business as well is that you have to wait for, like, you have to wait for a person to, before you hire someone, you have to wait for that person that makes you so excited that you want them to join them. Yeah. And right. like when you find that person that you're like, wow, this person is going to transform like our business. This is amazing. Then you hire them. Unless you find that person, don't, don't hire them. Don't, don't hire them. <laughs> don't like literally keep looking, keep looking, keep looking. Because it's tr- like people are transformational in a business. But you got to, yeah. like, you, you know, you, you got to hire the right people. And it's, you know, it's, you know, it's probably the, one of the biggest jobs that you have as a founder is finding those people, isn't it? Because yeah, they're, they're the difference, particularly in our sector as well, where it's so people led. <laughs> like, it's it's almost everything, isn't it? That's it. I think I've been victim to that years ago where I've thought, uh, they'll do they probably can do the job and you kind of need someone to get you know boots on the ground and i think nine times out of ten it, it ends up being a mistake where you thought i should have waited even though at that point you're like i really could do with a person to help 
Um, you know, and I think you're right. Uh, it'll do, won't do. Um, so, uh, you know, and I think that I love that about getting excited uh, for someone to join your team. I think that is the optimum way for them to join. That's a brilliant bit. So over the years, um, you must have made a few. And if you could advise, I don't know, a let's say an 18-year-old Ed, um, what wouldn't you do again? I'm mentoring a couple of people actually at the moment that went to kind of gone to university with me, and uh, I think you obviously when you're when you're when you're 18 or 19, yep. you obviously put yourself under a lot of pressure to try and find what your final destination is is going to be. Like, what are the lessons that you need to uh, to kind of really be a success? And these are things like like sale, like how do you sell? Like that, it's like it doesn't get taught. Like how do you like finance marketing like all the all these things and as when you're from 19 to like 25 26 you need to basically build that toolkit and yeah. however you do that with you know uh, go and learn on with, on someone else's pay right but think about what are those skills that and i guess from my perspective from an 18 year i kind of just drifted into stuff a little bit and you know, i obviously went and worked in a finance environment just because that's what everyone did yeah i never really i only did it because like as i said everyone did the money was quite good but like i was never really passionate about it um and i think from an if you're if you're starting out i think go learn some of those core skills and then i mean it doesn't seem like it when you're like 24 25 but like if you have those skills you'll find something you're passionate about and then you'll be able to execute on it yeah brilliant i love it um and as you've only been in the the flowing industry sort of circa two and a half years what have you found probably excluding let's say supply challenges because that that's that's a given but what what's the biggest challenge is the flooring industry as a whole in your opinion um i think it's got a few challenges to be honest um i don't think um uh, and it's challenges, but there's, there's, I guess there's also uh, opportunities. So ob- obviously, talent is a challenge, and I think everyone comes on your podcast yep. talks about that, both from a you know fitting perspective, but obviously also convincing kind of high quality people to come and work in the space as well, like really quality people, because again, it doesn't necessarily have a reputation for. Um, you know if, if i'm again if i'm thinking about myself coming 22 23 would i ever even dreamed of considered coming working in the flooring industry probably not no. and yet there's so many opportunities out there and there's like so many things you can get really really excited about with it within the space so i think that's so talent talent is obviously is a challenge and how does how does the sector on the industry attract good talent into it i think the other challenge is that um the, the sector has is it really makes things so complicated for itself okay. and uh i think it's uh, manufacturers are the worst of this but you're also like people like a typical flooring shop is also like bad at this as well is that just offers people so much choice and so many uh, like different products which don't really like I don't understand the difference between half these products. So what does someone who's never bought floor before understand the difference in these products? 
And then people just go round and round in circles and get into a kind of real tiz about this stuff because everyone they go into every different flooring shop. Everyone tells them slightly something slightly different because there's all this like hearsay. And it is just from a kind of from a buying perspective, it's really confusing for consumers. Yeah. And I think the sec the, the sector needs to get much better at you know giving like we we're not right for everyone. So there's also, you know, and we tell people that like there's certain people like if that you know we would recommend them to go with a different floor, but the sector is really bad at just you know not explaining to customers in a clear articulate way what is going to solve their flooring problem and you know it needs to get better at that or, or rather you know people like us i guess that that's often where, where we win because people have been into every single flooring shop around and they haven't actually received advice that they would deem to be you know good enough yeah no i love that that's brilliant that um yeah i couldn't agree more i've i've been to well yeah probably into the hundreds of flooring shops over the last few years um and sometimes you walk in and you know as a even as a flooring expert you're overwhelmed with stands and toast racks and things and all very very similar products and you're right the the, the sort of retail client doesn't know the difference and the, they need someone to explain the ins and outs and if you explain the ins and outs of the same product from someone else it seems a bit of a pointless waste of sort of uh retail space really but uh no that's that's brilliant so with it being a relatively new business um what's the biggest investment you've done so far to grow it to where it is um i mean we're it's i guess it's probably people um so um i mean we uh like uh, as, as, a, as a business we are it's not like we're doing finishing and we need to buy and go and buy finishing machines or um or things like that actually most of where we've got to to kind of get to this position is um uh, through you know kind of hustling and kind of trying to figure things out or make 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 things work so actually from a kind of pure cash perspective from an investment I would say it's the people and then you know there's a kind of six month period where they're not necessarily paying for themselves and then hopefully uh you know then, then they then they start delivering so kind of making those kind of commitments to people to kind of come into the business then hopefully I guess they over deliver um I guess that's our probably our biggest investment I mean we do um we do invest in some stock as well yeah. I guess um and then that enables us, but again, we're like our whole thing is curated range, curated range, curated range. Like unless unless we can really see a distinct feature and benefit from a floor, we don't sell it. Okay. So, um, so we will. Um, uh, and then there's like four or five floors that we know that are really good sellers, and we try and stop those. And then that enables us to kind of just react a little bit faster, and you know do a bit more spot business but i guess that's probably the, the the kind of biggest business i mean i guess my you know other investment would be my time probably because yeah. uh you know it took me four months to sell a floor so uh i didn't have any income for that point <laughs> yeah, yeah. and uh then you know the next one followed soon after and then the next one followed sooner after that but you know it took me about a year to take a salary out of the business so i guess that's Quite a big quite investment, a absolutely. And 
Are all your floors branded kite or do you sell any branded floors? And then also just to double up on the on the question, what is your opinion over selling branded flooring over your own branded flooring? Big yeah. question, this one. Big, <laughs> Very I, I mean, contra- I, controversial. I think it obviously it, de- it depends in the market you're operating in. Um, because it's better, like again, the flooring sector is so huge that um like it's all about finding a niche and then making that work like who's your ideal customer and then making that work being honest our our customers when they walk through the door they don't know any flooring brands you know yeah because i I think it's different with maybe like candine or antique or some of the kind of bigger vinyl produced the quick step or things like that but if you're buying a a kind of reasonable quality wood floor and looking to that spend sort of money and you're looking for a supply and fit proposition like people don't like maybe maybe their architect might mention a brand but it's not like they have any interaction with that brand or have had any interaction with that brand in the past so us selling under another brand really doesn't add any value to us and actually i feel like we understand our customers a lot better than most other flooring brands so we can actually tailor our brand way way better to our our customers and then I think the other thing is obviously selling under your own brand. It takes out this opportunity, which happened at the beginning of the business, where I go see someone, I spend an hour and a half in their house talking about finishes. I then tell them that it's uh, you know it's this floor from this brand, yeah. and then they call up an online retailer and undercut me by fifteen percent. Absolutely, yeah. And I've just wasted. So uh, you Couldn't know, agree more. certainly. Certainly for our market, you know, I I feel like we can do a better job at branding those products and that our customers don't, like, they never come in and ask for a particular floor. Like, they don't say, well, I want this. Or, like, like occasionally when we go quite far down the sales cycle, if it's a really, if it's a decent-sized deal, then we might tell them in order to give them a little bit more kind of security around the product so that they know that it's a, kind of reputable manufacturer and it's you know again because we, we are a small business so again sometimes architects might ask us that or and then and then i think then at that point we would be upfront about it but yeah. we're not um like you know it, it doesn't from our business perspective it it doesn't make particularly in the in the residential space i think it might be a bit different if you're doing big shiny towers and things like that but yeah um yeah no that's couldn't agree more with that, Ed. If I had to set up a, another shop tomorrow, Central London, Newcastle, Wales, wherever, um, and I had to make that decision, I would be doing that. So I couldn't agree more. Again, it's, uh, I think, building your own brand. When a retail client walks in, it's it's highly unlikely they'll know certain brands. They may have had, you know, such like a maybe a cars product or something, you know, 15 years ago, or their friend had had, you know, a different brand. But I think when they come in ready to buy or ready to speak, it's the, it's the advice and the experience that they get when um, either in the home or in the shop, it's, it's, they'll buy from the experience, not, not the brand. And maybe some of the bigger brands would disagree with me on that, but, you know, it's my opinion, your opinion. So, you know, as I said, there's, there's, there's different markets. And I think um, I'm, you know, I'm very aware that sometimes you go outside London and people want to see a big 
shiny box with lots of different floors and like fancy lights shining on it. Um, but our, our customer base actually quite likes the fact that we're independent and yeah. you know, and we give give great advice. And we say to people as well that you know, manu- often we see with manufacturers they might have one or two finishes in a range that works for us. Like the whole range doesn't work. No. Like some of it is just not right for us. So actually what, what we say to people is that our job is to go out and look at all these different manufacturers and all these finishes and then we curate it and we come back to you with the best finishes. Yeah. That's like we do all that work for you so you don't have to go and literally order samples from like 400 Everyone. online <laughs> providers or like go into like loads of flooring shops. Like we we do it for you. Um, and people, you know, our customers are always quite busy people i guess as is everyone and sorting floor is one thing on their list for their to do and they just you know they just want a solution for it and to do it as quickly as possible often and painlessly in a a great experience yeah Yeah, people will buy that experience um so vision the future 12 months three years five years what's what's the vision for kite yeah i mean look we're um I mean, we're quite ambitious. I guess I see, I kind of see us quite as being on a bit. You know, we're we're on a journey at the moment, and um, like I can think from a from where we want to get to. I look around and I look at kind of you know, there's some businesses within the flooring sector, and you think kind of I'd like like to be like those guys, you know, like really respected really really happy staff as well who are kind of motivated and where everyone's having kind of fulfilling careers and enjoy enjoying what they do and like you kind of look in the in the in the space and you you see like you see businesses who might have a bit of that and I think I'd really like to get us to that point and then I guess you also look at outside the flooring industry as well because um and you look at I mean there's a I'm a great admirer of Witcher Sounds for example which is um like obviously wins which retailer of the year kind of a real employee focused business and they you know they operate in a really highly competitive sector on the high street in retail and yet they turned over a couple hundred million quid last year even in the pandemic you know made i know they do sales online but like there's an example of a business that has does things slightly differently in a highly competitive space and has created great value wealth amazing careers for all the people that have worked in that business and i guess i would really like to do something like that with kite i mean that's that's obviously like next level but i think you also have to you know you have to have these type of ambitions you have to have these type of goals and uh, um yeah that that would be we're not going to be there in 12 months though <laughs> that other thing that i've learned as well from um from my last journey in our business is that you, you know you, I, mean, I think you talk quite a lot about taking risks and kind of pushing things forward you know whether that's a new hire or whether that's a you know new fitting team or whether that's so we always talk about uh you know kind of taking risks but i also i i, I don't want to grow too fast as no. well so um and i've been in businesses where kind of private equity backed businesses where it's like push 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 grow 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 and that's like no fun for anyone no. either. So, so it's a balanced, sustained growth is yeah. what we want. So do you think we we might in the future see a kite 
Scotland or Cape Manchester? Is that is yeah, that, or, or do you think London is where you'll sort of reside? Um, yeah, I mean the the thing about the flooring market is it, it's so big, and actually, again, you don't want to spread yourself too thin early on. So actually, there's uh, there's definitely enough work for to keep us quite busy in yeah. London at the moment, and uh, like we we seem to be finding enough people where what we're trying to do and that the kind of message resonates with people and and actually it's more about executing it obviously if you then open up in manchester and actually had this with my last business obviously you know and we're quite people people based business again so you need to be with people managing people keeping them motivated and obviously if you're you know it's two and a half three hours on a train up in manchester then again that you know starts to dilute things and then you know the manchester guys will be thinking why can't i do this on my own and then like <laughs> yeah you know, and, and then and then so uh i think uh maybe but i kind of feel like also we can probably get to where we need to by not spreading ourselves too thinly geographically yeah brilliant so we're going to go into a little bit of a a fun round just about you ed um yeah. as we always do in the podcast tradition so um five guys are dominoes and why which which one uh i mean definitely five guys um uh, i yeah definitely five guys no. i used to have my last my last company we used to have dominoes on a friday if you hit your sales numbers so everyone <laughs> like dominoes, dominoes. Well. <laughs> I always would feel, always would feel quite sick at the end of dominoes uh the full house dominoes is what i used to have yeah. and then uh then i had i had five guys with my kids actually um to, to do uh a couple of weeks ago in central london it was nice well it wasn't cheap though to be no fair. definitely not cheap definitely not cheap, cheap. um uh sunbathing or skiing uh oh man um so probably like i, I don't know have you have you got kids tom I don't yes know. yeah I've, I've got quite i've got quite young kids so um i would have probably said skiing and then obviously i've got kids now so uh, going skiing now is in half time holidays it's a bit, a bit more challenging it's a bit more challenging so uh i i and i probably yeah, I think with kids, I probably enjoy kind of a hot holiday. If I'm on my own, I probably enjoy skiing all day more. Brilliant, yeah. And um, if you could build your dream house or, or acquire your dream house, what flooring would you have fitted throughout? Oh, uh, great question. Because I think, I mean, it must be the same with you. This changes, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. It, you, kind of, you see a floor, and you're like, oh, my Lord, that is amazing. And then, you know. Yeah, there's probably some girlfriend analogy there, isn't there? Um, but uh, I think I would probably now. Uh, we've there's some this. I really like flooring wet, heavy brushed, but they're like just the grain is slightly accentuated, right? Okay. Um, and I think like a raw oak with just some white oil coming through it, and okay. then probably a wide plank on it. I would say so yeah. a rustic grade. I think yeah. that would be. Uh, that would be what I'd go for. It, it's probably one of the hardest decisions a flooring expert can ever make. The last two houses uh, we've bought, um, we've completely decided on the floor and then literally got the keys 
and did an about term and change and changed the changed the plan. Both houses, both exactly the same as in like um, we had a, a clear vision of what it needed to be. And then we got in there, took the carpets up and changed. So I was the the one we've currently living. Uh, we had uh, it was definitely going to be herringbone. It was definitely going to be a sort of dark smoked colour. Uh, we ended up with a really wide, rustic white plank um, throughout. So, <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, uh, sound like uh, a nightmare uh, customer, Tom. You sound like a nightmare customer. Like Absolutely. normally we try like kind of refine people like dark middle or light and you, you would be a nightmare you'd have to take a whole car full of samples to you oh, to get yeah, yeah I, I don't even yeah i, I don't like I, I can make it for other people or, or assist people but certainly uh that uh, was a difficult decision but i'm very happy with the decision we made so um so if you won 10 million on the lottery yep. tonight what would be the first five things you would five things buy? Five, five things yes um uh okay you've you've asked this question before i think and um that would i i would still like keep going with kite at the moment i think um i guess when you're when you're a startup business we are pretty focused on the commercials at the moment so like we are very much focused on making enough margin so we can put it back into the business to grow the business to kind of further everyone's careers and and things like that and attract the best people and and things like that and that's what we're really focused on i think if i had 10 million in the bank i think it would be i think you'd have an obligation to not just think commercially about stuff and um i mean i'll give you an example um you know, my, uh, I lost my dad with Alzheimer's, for example, recently. Like, I feel like I should be doing more in that space. But yeah. like, at the moment, I'm so focused on my business, I'm not. I think within the flooring industry, I think, again, because I'm a newbie to this, and I don't like to, like, I could be wrong on some of this stuff as well. I, I just kind of, you see it as an observer, but um, I think flooring should be doing more with diversity for example you know not particularly good at that uh, I think um also I think sometimes about what happens to our fitters when they finish fitting floors and you know how do you manage that and so I think if you had that type of wealth and you were working within the flooring industry I think there would be you know you'd need to to kind of do stuff which wasn't commercial and give stuff back. Putting that to one side and completely selfishly, what would be the dream car? Because you've got the 10 yeah, million. Yeah, okay. So um, what's the dream car? I'd probably be a classic car, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I um, uh, a friend's dad lent, lent me an E-Type Jag to, when I got married. That was pretty cool. Like a really epically... Oh, so I think yeah, a beautiful or or like an old old nine eleven Porsche would be pretty cool as well. But definitely a, a classic. Classic. Not, really, uh, not a new Lamborghini or anything. No. 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 I think well, I've got speed bumps outside my house, so I don't think <laughs> I'd get very far, particularly with the current weather as well. I think uh, but anyway. Yeah, no, brilliant. And the last, probably most important question mash, roasties or chips? Ah oh, man, this is like this is 
<laughs> it's like choosing between your kids, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, I would say, um, oh man, it's different, different, different meals, different, you know, different uh, potato variations, isn't it? Like you can't, you got to have a roast. You got to have roast potatoes. I probably, I probably eat chips the most, to be honest, which is a, uh, you know, I probably have that on a Friday night. Brilliant. I probably have chips. Brilliant, Ed. So where can the listeners find you and Kate? Where's the best place to reach out to you? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously Instagram is something that we do quite a lot on and uh, we, you know, we try and post our projects on there as much as possible. And I guess uh, that's probably the best way to be honest. We might experiment with different platforms kind of going forward, but definitely our customer base seems to spend a long time scrolling through Instagram, Instagram looking, for, looking through renovation projects. So uh, it's kind of where we spend the most time. And then obviously we have a website as well, kite-flooring.com. So yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's the best place to find us. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Ed, for coming on the uh, podcast and sharing your views. It's been great to have you on. No problem. No problem. Really good to have me, Tom. Thank you. And uh, yeah, uh, really appreciate it. If you'd like to find out more information about what we do, you can visit our website at cockerellandco.co.uk. That's cockerellandco.co.uk. We also have an Instagram account, which is cockerellandco, and also we are on Facebook. Once again, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, and we look forward to seeing you here again soon.